Welcome. This podcast was created by the 2nd Marine Division, 2nd Class Petty Officer Association, built by sailors for sailors. Section 110, Tactical Measures Fundamentals. Explain unaided day and night observation techniques. Avoid all unnecessary movement. Remain motionless while observing. Anything in motion attracts the eye. Use all available concealment because it offers a low silhouette and makes detection by the enemy difficult. Expose nothing that reflects light. Blend with the background because contrasting colors are noticeable. Remain in the shade because moving shadows attract attention. Distort or change the regular outline of objects. Most military objects have distinctive shapes that make obvious shadows and silhouettes. Avoid the skyline. Figures on the skyline can be seen from great distances and are easily identified by other outlines. Search fields of view. Off-center vision method. The technique of viewing an object using daytime central vision is ineffective at night. This is due to the night blind spot that exists during low illumination. Marines must learn to use off-center vision. This technique requires viewing an object by looking 6 to 10 degrees above, below, or to either side of the object rather than directly at it. Scanning method. Scanning enables the Marines to overcome many of the physiological limitations of their eyes. It can also reduce confusing visual illusions. This technique involves looking from right to left or left to right using a slow, regular scanning movement as shown in Figure 1. At night, it is essential to avoid looking directly at a faintly visible object when trying to confirm its presence. Strip method. In daylight, look first at the ground nearest you. Begin observing close to your post and search a narrow strip 50 meters or less deep, going from right to left parallel to your front. Then search from left to right a second and similar strip further away, but overlapping the first. Continue to observe until the entire field of view has been searched and shown in the below figure. Preserve night vision. When entering a lighted area or observing an intemporarily lighted area such as illumination and flares, one eye should be closed and and covered to preserve its night vision. When the light goes off, fades, or the lighted area is exited, the night vision retained by the protected eye enables it to see until the other eye adapts to the darkness. Red light helps preserve night vision, but like white light, it can be observed at long distances. Factors that decrease night visual acuity include fatigue, lack of oxygen, long exposure to sunlight, alcohol, nicotine within the past 48 hours, and age. When night vision has been attained, straining straining will not improve effectiveness. However, practicing to identify objects at night will improve perception. Enhancing hearing. Hearing is amplified with the mouth open. Removing the helmet will reduce sound distortion. By holding the ear close to the ground, sounds of people walking and vehicles moving can be heard. Define and discuss the intelligent information report. Salute. Information must be reported as quickly, accurately, and completely as possible. An established method to remember how and what to report about the enemy is to use the acronym SALUTE. S. Size and or strength. A. Activity or actions. L. Location and direction of movement. U. Unit identification. The enemy unit may be derived from unit markings, uniforms worn, or through prisoner interrogation. T. Time of observation. E. Equipment and weapons. Example. Seven enemy soldiers traveling southwest. 
Crossroad Junction on Black Ridge, Unit Unknown, at 131815 Zulu, October 10, carrying one machine gun and one rocket launcher. Define and discuss the five paragraphs of an operation order. SMEAC Situation Environment Weather Terrain Visibility Local Population Situation and behave, Behavior as they impact on the patrol and enemy forces. Enemy forces consist of the composition, disposition, location, movement, capabilities, and recent activities of the enemy forces. Friendly forces, a statement of the mission of the next higher unit, location and mission of adjacent units, and mission of non-organic supporting units that may affect the actions of the unit. Attachments and detachments, units attached or detached from the patrol by higher headquarters, including the effective time of attachment or detachment. M. Mission. A clear, concise statement of the task the patrol must accomplish. E. Execution. Concept of operations. The patrol leader's brief summary of the tactical plan, plan the patrol is to execute. Task organization of the patrol. Movement to the object. Objective area to include navigation method. Actions in the objective area. The return movement to include navigation method. Use of supporting forces including illumination if required subordinate tasks missions in each succeeding paragraph missions are assigned to each element and they and any attached units coordinating instructions in the last paragraph instructions that apply to two or more subordinate elements coordination of details and control measures applicable to the patrol as a whole time of assembly in the assembly area time of inspections and rehearsals that have not already been conducted time of departure and estimated time of return location of departure and re-entry of friendly lines Details on the primary and alternate routes to and from the objective area. Details on formations and order of movement. Rally points and actions at rally points. Final preparation positions and actions at this point. Objective rally point and actions at this point. Actions at danger areas. Actions in the event of enemy contact. Details on actions in the objective not covered elsewhere. Estimate time, time of patrol debriefing upon return. A. Administration and logistics. Rations and ammunitions, location of the distribution point, corpsman and aid station, handling of prisoners of war, other administrative and supply matters. C. Command and signal, special instructions on communications, prearranged signals, password and countersign, radio calls and frequencies, emergency signals, radio procedures, pyrotechnics, restrictions on the use of communications, location of patrol leader. Location of Assistant Patrol Leader Discuss the following hand and arm signals. Column formation. Raise either arm to the vertical position. Drop the arm to the rear, describing com complete circles in a vertical plane parallel to the body. The signal may be used to indicate either a troop or vehicular column. Echelon left or right. The leader may give the signal either facing towards or away from the unit. Extend one arm 45 degrees below the horizontal, palms to the front. The lower arm indicates the direction of echelon. Example, for echelon right, if the leader is facing in the direction of the forward movement, the right arm is lowered. If the leader is facing the unit, the left is lowered. Supplementary commands may be given to ensure prompt and proper execution. Skirmishers left and right. Raise both arms lateral until horizontal. Arms and hands extended palms down. If it is necessary to indicate a direction, move in the desired direction at the same time.
When signaling for fire team skirmishers, indicate skirmishers right or left by moving the appropriate hand up and down. The appropriate hand does not depend on the direction the signaler is facing. Skirmishers left will be indicated by moving the left hand up and down. Skirmishers right, the right hand. Wedge formation. Extend both arms downward and to the side at an angle of 45 degrees below the horizontal, palms to the front. Fire team. The right arm should be placed diagonally across the chest. Squad. Extend the hand and arm toward the squad leader, palm of the hand down. Distinctly move the hand up and down several times from the wrist, holding the arm steady. Platoon. Extend both arms forward, palms of the hands down toward the leaders or units for whom the signal is intended, and describe large vertical circles with hands. Close up. Start the signal with both arms extended sideward, palms forward, and bring palms together in front of the body momentarily. When repetition of the signal is necessary, the arms are returned to the starting position by movement along the front of the body. Open up, extended. Start the signal with the arms extended in front of the body, palms together, and bring the arms to the horizontal position at the sides, palms forward. When repetition of the signal is necessary, the arms are returned along the front of the body to the starting position, and the signal is repeated until understood. Halt or stop. Carry the hand to the shoulder, palm to the front, then thrust the hand upward vertically to the full extent of the arm and hold it in that position until the signal is understood. Dismount. Take cover. Extend the arm sideward at an angle of 45 degrees above the horizontal, palm down, and lower it to the side. Both arms may be used to give the signal. Repeat until understood. Hasty ambush left or right. Raise first shoulder left and thrust it several times in the desired direction. Thank you for listening. Please share our program with your command and on social media to benefit sailors across the globe. Welcome. This podcast was created by the 2nd Marine Division, 2nd Class Petty Officer Association. Built by sailors for sailors. Section 110, Tactical Measures Fundamentals. Define and discuss the acronym SAFE when constructing a firing position. Security, set up security before digging in. Automatic weapons, set up your automatic weapons so that they are oriented to the most likely avenues of approach. Field of fire, clear your fields of fire. Entrenchment, dig in your position. Discuss the characteristics of the following fighting positions. Individual fighting position. The size and shape of the fighting hole are affected by certain important consideration. It is as small as practicable, exposing a minimum target to enemy fire, wide enough to accommodate the shoulders of a man sitting on the fire step, long enough to permit use of an entrenching tool, and at least four feet deep to the fire step. The Marine should be able to aim and fire his or her weapon when standing on the fire step. Two-man fighting position. The two-man fighting hole consists essentially of two adjacent one-man fighting holes. In most types of soil, the fighting hole gives protection against the crushing action of tanks providing the occupant crouches at least two feet below the ground surface. In sandy or soft soils, it is necessary to revert the sides to prevent caving in. 
The soil is piled around the hole as a parapet approximately three feet thick and a half foot high, leaving a berm or shelf wide enough for the marine to use as an elbow rest while firing. If turf or topsoil is used to camouflage the parapet, the marine first removes sufficient ground cover and sets it aside until the fighting hole is completed. Once complete, the ground cover can then be laid on top and side of the parapet so that it will better blend in with the surrounding ground. Do's and don'ts. Do not disturb the natural concealment around your position while digging. Avoid creating fresh paths near the position. Use old paths or vary the route to and from the position. Camouflage the path if necessary. Marines at their fighting positions dig fighting holes. Fighting holes provide excellent protection against small arms fire, shell fragments, airplanes strafing or bombings, the effects of nuclear detonations, and the crushing action of tanks. If not prescribed by higher authority, the squad leader will designate either one or two man fighting holes. The type of fighting hole used is based upon squad strength, fields of fire, size of squad sector of fire, and morale. Describe the following individual movements. High crawl. The high crawl is used when cover and or concealment are available, poor visibility reduces enemy observation, greater speed of movement is required. To perform the high crawl, keep your body off the ground, rest weight on forearms and lower legs, cradle rifle and arms keeping the muzzle off the ground, keep knees well behind the buttocks to stay low, Move forward, alternately advancing right forearm and left knee, then left forearm and right knee. Low crawl. The low crawl is used when cover and concealment are scarce, the enemy has good observation over the area in which the scout is moving, speed is not essential. To perform the low crawl, keep your body as flat as possible against the ground, grasp the rifle sling at the upper sling swivel, Let the balance of the rifle rest on the forearm and let the butt of the rifle drag on the ground. Keep the muzzle off the ground. Stay forward by pushing your arms forward and pulling right leg forward. Move forward by pulling with arms and pushing with right leg. Change the pushing leg frequently to avoid fatigue. Back crawl. To perform the back crawl, slide head first on your back. Push yourself forward with your shoulders and heels. Carry your weapon lengthwise on your body. Rush. When starting from the prone position, raise your head slowly and steadily and select a new position. Lower your head slowly, draw arms inward, cock right leg forward, and prepare to rush. Use one movement to raise the body by straightening both arms. Spring to your feet, stepping off with the left foot. Bend forward as low as possible when running. Never advance directly to the next position, always zigzag. When hitting the deck, stop, plant both feet in place, drop quickly to the knees and slide the hand to the heel of the rifle. Fall forward, breaking your fall with the butt of the rifle. To confuse the enemy, roll over after hitting the deck and roll into firing position with feet, knees, and stomach flat on the ground. Keep your head down if you do not intend to fire. When rolling over, Hit the deck and assume the prone position. 
bring the rifle in close to the body, placing the rifle butt in the crotch. Roll over swiftly to confuse any enemy observers as to your final intended location. Never reappear at the same place you went down. Nightwalk. Place the heel down first. Balance the weight of your body on the rear foot until a secure spot is found. Lift the forward foot high to clear any stiff grass, brush, or other obstruction. Continue to balance body weight on the rear foot. Lower the forward foot gently, toe first, to explore the ground for objects that might make the noise. Step over fallen logs and branches, not on them. Lower the heel of the forward foot slowly, gradually transferring body weight to that foot. Creeping. Creep at night on the hands and knees. Use your hands to feel for twigs, leaves, or other substances that might make noise. Clear a spot to place your knee. Keeping your hand at that spot, place your knee in the same spot. Keeping your hand at that spot, place your knee on the ground and repeat the action with the other hand and knee. Crossing a wall. Reconnaissance the wall before crossing. Quickly roll over the wall, keeping a low silhouette as shown in figure. The speed of your movement and a low silhouette deny the enemy a good target. Observing around a corner. Observe the area around a corner before moving beyond it. The most common mistake made at a corner is allowing the weapon to extend beyond the corner before observing, thereby exposing your position. Short stock technique. The shooter should be capable of both right-handed and left-handed firing of his or her weapon using this technique to be effective around corners. Short stocking the weapon will prevent the muscle from protruding and keep the weapon ready to fire the instant visual contact is made with the enemy. Furthermore, it reduces the Marine's exposure as a target. A common mistake when firing around corners is firing from the standing position. The shooter exposes him or herself at the height of the enemy, would expect a target to appear, and risks exposing the entire length of the body as a target for the enemy. Popping the corner technique. Get into a prone position near the corner of a building or obstacle around which to observe. The weapon is short-stocked and the muzzle is pointed in the direction you are looking. This allows you to engage a target, if necessary, when observing around a corner. Crawl to the corner, but don't expose yourself. Raise your upper body onto your elbows, and push your body forward with your feet and legs without moving your elbows. Your upper, upper body, with the weapon ready, will move forward. The final position will expose the weapon, your helmet, and a minimal amount of your face. Your forearms will come to rest on the deck, giving you a low profile, the ability to observe around the corner, and the immediate capability to engage targets with your weapons, as shown in Figure 3. Crossing a danger area. Open areas such as streets, alleys, and parks should be avoided. They are natural kill zones for enemy crew serve weapons. They can be crossed safely if certain fundamentals are applied by Marines and small unit leaders. When using the correct procedure for crossing an open area, develop a plan for your own movement. Use smoke from hand grenades or smoke pots to conceal the movement of all Marines. Run the shortest distance between buildings and move along the far building to the next position. By doing so, you reduce the amount of time during which you are exposed to enemy fire. Before moving to another position, make a visual reconnaissance and select the position that offers the best cover and concealment. At the same time, select the route that you will take to get that, to that position. 
When moving from position to position, be careful not to mask your supporting fires. When you reach your next position, be prepared to cover the movement of other members of your assault force or element as shown in figure four. Discuss the advantages and disadvantages of a two-man fighting hole. Disadvantages. Since it is longer than the one-man type, the two-man fighting hole offers somewhat less protection against a tank crossing along the long axis, as well as less protection against strafing, bombing, and shell fragments. Advantages. It allows continuous observation, mutual assistance and reassurance, and the redistribution of ammunition between the occupants. Discuss the armor protection level system. The intent of creating the armor protection levels is to enable commanders to tailor protective postures based on their estimate of the situation and or based on guidance from service, joint, theater, combatant commanders. The Marine Corps recognizes the operational requirements to move away from one-size-fits-all approach in dealing with ballistic protection. Unit commanders must rely instead on mission analysis and military judgment in making critical decisions which affect the personal protection posture of the Marines and take advantage of the full scalability that the family of Marine Corps personnel protective equipment provides. The following armor protection levels are established and applied to all Marine Corps issued body armor sets, including, but not limited to, the modular tactical vest, outer tactical vest, plate carrier, and full spectrum battle equipment. Identify equipment worn for the following armor protection levels. Level zero, no body armor worn. Level one, vest plate carrier with soft armor only. Level two, vest plate carrier with front and back hard armored plates. Level three, vest plate carrier with front, back, and side hard armor plates. Discuss camouflage, cover, and concealment. Camouflage, anything that can use to keep yourself, your equipment, and your position from looking like what they really are. You can also use both natural and man-made materials for camouflage. Cover, anything that gives protection from bullet fragments and exploding rounds, flame, nuclear effects, and biological and chemical agents. Cover can also conceal you from enemy observation. Cover can be natural or man-made. Concealment. Anything that hides you from the enemy's observations, concealment does not protect you from enemy fire. Welcome. This podcast was created by the 2nd Marine Division, 2nd Class Petty Officer Association, built by sailors for sailors. Section 110, Tactical Measures, Fundamentals. Discuss the following CASAVAC categories of precedence and the criteria used to determine their assignment. Determine the precedence of the casualty. Casualties needing air CASAVAC will be given appropriate degrees of precedence so that if airspace is limited, more urgent patients are evacuated before those whose conditions are less serious. The senior military person present makes the determination to request medical evacuation and assignment of precedence. This decision is based on the advice of the senior medical personnel 
at the scene, the patient's condition, and the tactical situation. Assignment of medical evacuation precedence is necessary. The precedence provides the supporting medical unit and controlling headquarters with information that is used in determining priorities for committing their evacuation assets. For this reason, correct assignment of precedence cannot be overemphasized. Overclassification remains a continuing problem. Patients will be picked up as soon as possible, consistent with available resources and pending missions. The following categories of precedence and the criteria used in patient assignment. Priority 1. Urgent. Assigned to emergency cases that should be evacuated as soon as possible and with a maximum of two hours in order to save life, limb, or eyesight. To prevent complications of serious illness or to avoid permanent disability. Priority 1 Alpha Urgent Surgical Assigned to patients who must receive far forward surgical intervention to save life and to stabilize them for further evacuation. Priority two. Priority. Assigned to sick and wounded personnel requiring prompt medical care. This precedence is used when the individual should be evacuated within four hours or his medical condition could deteriorate to such a degree that he will become an urgent precedence or whose requirement for special treatment are not available locally or who will suffer unnecessary pain or disability. Priority three, routine. Assigned to sick and wounded personnel requiring evacuation, but whose condition is not expected to deteriorate significantly. The sick and wounded in this category should be evacuated within 24 hours. Priority four. Convenience. Assigned to patients for whom evacuation by medical vehicle is a matter of medical convenience rather than necessity. Discuss the criteria for selection of a helicopter landing zone. Landing zones. Kazavak pickup zones cannot always be selected in favorable terrain, but the size of the landing zone will dictate what type of helicopters will be able to support your Kazavak may determine how large of a landing zone will need to be cleared. Notice that the size of the obstacles around the landing zone is paramount. Locations requiring vertical ascent or descent are not desirable. Overall length, landing zone diameter, type. UH1EN Overall length 57 feet Landing zone diameter 5 to 40 40 to 80 CH46 Overall length 46 84 Landing zone diameter 175, 250, and 350. CH 53 Delta. 
overall length, 56, 89 feet. Landing zone diameter, 175, 250, 350. CH-53 Echo, overall length, 60, 99. Landing zone diameter, 175, 250, 350. The site should not contain high obstacles or debris, which can be blown by rotor wash. The site should offer some measure of protection for the vulnerable helicopter from enemy direct fire weapons. Terrain cover and effective base of suppressive fire can provide this protection during critical landing, loading, and departure phases of an evacuation conducted in forward battle areas. Flat open spaces and hilltops are good locations for landing zones. All around security, 360 degree perimeter defense should be maintained at all times. Landing zones may have to be cleared by the platoon. Tools likely to be used would be chainsaws, hatchets, K-bars, entrenching tools, and explosives such as TNT and C4. In extreme cases where single and double canopy exists, casualties may have to be evacuated by hoisting as, a, as the helicopter hovers overhead. Selection of a pickup zone necessities extremely accurate map reading and communication with the helicopter. For normal operations, when the helicopter approaches the landing site, a platoon commander should throw a smoke grenade to mark his position and to show the pilot the direction of the wind. The platoon commander should also inform the pilot of the friendly position and the enemy position and situation. Particularly in a debris-strewn landing site, a marine should direct the helicopter in, signaling where it is clear for the aircraft to land in the site. All obstacles within the landing zone need to be marked so that the pilot has a clear view of the situation. Air panel markers are an excellent means of marking during good visibility. There are various methods to mark obstacles during low light situations, i.e. colored chemical lights. All Marines in the platoon should be trained in directing helicopters into a landing site requesting medical evacuation helicopters from the company commander and communicating with the pilot over the radio. Radio communications are particularly important in night operations. Because of the inherent danger in night evacuation, the seriousness of the wound must be considered. It might be advantageous to wait until first light to evacuate the casualty. Marking the landing zone. The size of the landing zone is dependent upon the height of the obstacles surrounding the zone and the number and the type of helicopters needed on the largest wave. Planned landing zone size should be determined by using the figure 0808 TAC2 and computing the number of landing points needed to support the operation. Simple multiplication should provide good planning data. A landing point is a specific point where one helicopter can land. Landing points collectively form landing sites. 
A landing site is an area within a large landing zone used by a helicopter-borne unit as a tactical control designator in order to land in predetermined locations. When such separation of units and functions is not required, the helicopter wave or flight leaders should be given the prerogative to land where safety and flight characteristics dictate. The marking of landing zones varies from the initial marking with smoke for landing zone identification and wind direction to elaborate markings. When using panels, care must be exercised to ensure proper security from the effects of rotor wash either by distance separation or staking and typing of the panels. Smoke is best used downwind from the landing points so as not to obscure the vision during landing. Discuss the procedures for requesting a CASVAC. Requesting a CASVAC. Helicopters are normally requested through the battalion, but the platoon and rifle company commanders should be aware of their availability under all circumstances. A CASVAC request is submitted to the appropriate unit using a CASVAC request. The casualty evacuation request is used for requesting evacuation supporting for both air and ground ambulances. There are two established casualty evacuation formats and procedures, one for wartime and one for peacetime. Several differences exist between wartime and peacetime casualty evacuation requests, formats, and procedures. The peacetime request form differs in two line item areas. Line 6. Change to number and type of wound, injury, or illness. Two gunshot wounds and one compound fracture. If serious bleeding is reported, the patient's blood type should be given, if known. Line 9. Change to description of terrain. Flat, open, sloping, wooded. If possible, include relationship of landing area to prominent terrain features. Security is another basic difference between wartime and peacetime procedures. Under all non-war conditions, the safety of U.S. military and civilian personnel outweighs the need for security, and clear text transmissions of medical evacuation requests are authorized. During wartime, the rapid evacuation of patients must be weighed against the importance of unit survivability. Accordingly, wartime medical evacuation requests are transmitted by secure means only. Requesting a CASAVAC Line 1 Location of pickup site Line 2 Radio frequency call Sign and suffix Line 3 Number of patients by precedence Line 4 Special equipment required Line 5 Number of patients by type. Line 6. Security of pickup site in wartime. Line 6 in peacetime. Number and type of wound, injury, or illness. Line 7. Method of marking the pickup site. Line 8. Patient nationality and status. Line 9. NBC Contamination, Wartime. 
line 9, peacetime, terrain description. Thank you for listening. Please share our program with your command and on social media to benefit sailors across the globe.